ding 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 you 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 ready you situated you comfortable i am thank you you sound great Greetings, friends. Today, I am so excited to present an interview with Adam Lissagor, director, founder of Sandwich Video, podcaster of You Look Nice Today fame, and All Consuming, a show about the highs and lows of consumerist culture, and so much more. Sometimes he's known merely as Sandwich, and rarely even T-Borg. <laughs> Adam is a delightful and inspiring human. Adam, thank you so much for coming on Ascendant today. How you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm so excited to find out what this show is. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to find out who I am as a person. Oh, well, this show is uh, the fourth podcast I've ever made, actually. And uh, it's called Ascendant. It's about our journey from scarcity to abundance. And I was thinking about all of the wonderful humans that I could have on the show. And I've been following your work. For people who aren't familiar with you, um, you were on, I think, probably the first good podcast that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. It's canonical at this point. It's internet history, right? And a show <laughs> that I think so. But now the kids these days, they don't go back to 2006, you know. Um, well, I guess You Look Nice Today started in 8, 08. It, you Look Nice Today was a, a show... It was a journal of emotional hygiene. And I, I try to go chronological, Adam, but uh, we hmm. don't have to. But I, I try to start, you know, wh where, where someone's life enters mine. And it was such a funny show. I, I was so carefully edited. And, um, and you guys came back a couple times. That was a show you did, obviously, with uh, Scott Simpson and Merlin Mann, both of whom I'd love to have on this show. But you, I always felt like you were the... Oh, there's so much we could talk about. And then you... I don't know where to start. Your your career is so yeah, fascinating. Not that I was necessarily the funny one or the smart one, but the good one, like the one who was not terrible, right? Mm -hmm, like the other mm -hmm. two were kind of bad, <laughs> unfunny, terrible, and just kind of bad people. Um, but I was the one that was kind of okay and 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 great. You well, it was cool what you did on that show, Adam. I, and I'd love to hear your experience of being in it. Um, and we also are definitely going to talk about um, how you ended up being, I mean, people that don't are familiar with, with your work, first of all, shame on them. So mm -hmm. much shame. Internet shame on this this guy. Guys, this guy has been, guys is a unisex word. This guy has been described as the Martin Scorsese of online advertising. And, mm -hmm. and I was a huge fan like a decade before anybody called him that. Of Martin <clears throat> Scorsese? Of you. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so, like, how did you, where do you, you want to, I mean, it's, this is a show nominally about scarcity to abundance. And, you know, it's still, this is only episode six. It's still getting its sea legs, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, well, yeah. can you, can you unpack for me what that means? Go, the journey from scarcity to abundance? I'm intrigued, but I want to know more. Absolutely. Um, thanks for asking. So it's a very personal topic. You know, everybody thinks about the concept of abundance differently. For some people, it's, you know, material abundance, which is nice. For some people, they value social abundance, social opportunities, right? Yeah. Other people, it might mean an abundance of time. Um, for me, uh, 
I, I want it all <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to make a bigger impact on the world as well. And, uh, and I don't know the the journey, I'm mostly saying I want it all tongue in cheek, but like mm-hmm. the, the journey is so unique to each person and it's so fascinating to me, you know, just looking at, you know, I, I also just love biographies, just looking at how, you know, we're young and we take, it takes us time to get to know ourselves. Obviously it's, mm-hmm. it's this lifelong process of figuring out what our strengths are, how our brain, how our uniquely weird brain, because I believe every person, especially every creative person has a uniquely weird brain and they find out how to weird in a good way, right? How to use those strengths to make an impact, help the world. Mm-hmm. Does that mostly answer your question? <laughs> oh, certainly. I think, um, it's, I'm also intrigued because sometimes the journey goes in the other direction and, and um, yeah. introducing scarcity into our lives allows us the opportunity for abundance in, in, in other ex- unexpected spheres of, of our life. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So um, I think it is a bi- hopefully it's bi-directional because we're, life is expansion and contraction. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean in the in the in, you know famously Steve Jobs was was the kind of person who would um, define the product by what it wasn't instead of what it was and mm-hmm. um, you know and I, I and I think that that uh, that speaks to this uh, this value system of of scarcity as a virtue as well. Hmm. Well, is that the same as? Uh scarcity or is that omission right so there there's mm-hmm. a kind of a minimalist to it maybe maybe i think of the word scarcity differently than how you're describing i mean for me hmm cuz you know i'm a self-described minimalist you could describe some of the ways i approach material stuff maybe from a certain angle as some scarcity i feel like there's i think for me abundance just means freedom of choice mm-hmm. right oh okay mhm yeah. Um, Certainly. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm defining scarcity wrong um, or, you know, incorrectly. And, and, and my point is moot. <laughs> no, um, I'm not saying that, Adam. I just think we might, we might be thinking about it a little differently, but it's not wrong. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't, if, yeah, no, I think we're, we're probably on the same page, but hmm. um, yeah. So h- how would you, how would you like to, we dive. We can dive in. Well, yeah, dive in. <laughs> Do you want to stay on theme, or is this kind of a of an outlier of an episode for you, where it's more just about talking about st- sharing stories and things? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate how thoughtful you are with your questions. Um, well, you know, the way usually uh, when I have this show, I, I sort of uh, this is the closest I come to to being a bus driver. So I'm I'm kind of driving the bus. I know the territory, but but often um, I I don't really know the whole, all the territory, and and it's it's sort of like we actually you know what throw the bus out. It's like um, <laughs> it's like a it's like a it's like a Boeing seven forty seven, and both people have the joystick, and we're sort of just you know if I fall asleep on the joystick, you make sure we don't hit into a mountain. Usually I don't fall asleep on this show, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but but it it sort of just because of the way my brain works, we sort of end up rounding back around to stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've experienced that in your, your podcasting experience and career. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think a good place to start would just be 
how how do you look back, you know, because bringing in Steve Jobs, something I quote perennially is how you can only connect the dots looking backward, right? Sure. So that's from his famous Stanford speech, really good speech. How do you how do you think about it now, Adam, looking back in the last like 15 years or more of, you know, because because Sandwich Video, which is you guys make amazing stuff. You're you're a great director. That Sandwich Video, from what I researched, was really unexpected for you. It was almost I don't want to use the word accident, but almost an accident. No, I right? use the word accident. That's how yeah. I describe the, the, or the sort of that's how I tell the origin story. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this because um, I start last night. I started a book that somebody, my my friend and the lead editor at Sandwich, Ben LeBeau, recommended to me. It's called Fooled by Randomness, The Hidden Role of Chance in, in Life and in the Markets. And as far as I can gather, the thesis is um, that even people, people with enormous success um, who claim to have connected the dots intentionally have, have done so, you know, mostly by accident and by <laughs> circumstance. Um, and I don't know if I'm on board for, as a person who has achieved success, I don't know if I'm on board for the, for like, I, I think I might be too fragile to really, or fra fragile to really hmm. subscribe to this, but it, like, that's a joke. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, op I'm open to the very, you know, real likelihood that, my success has been mostly a condition of luck. I, um, yeah, but I do think, you know, I was, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, you and also I opened... made something good. Yeah. So Which that's that, when, when anybody ever asks, you know, I, I think I get the question posed to me a lot by younger, um, younger entrepreneurial people who are wanted to start a big thing, start a company mm -hmm. or a project mm -hmm. or whatever you most, commonly like somebody wants to start a video agency like i have mm. and they and they say um you know they say can what's what's your advice and i say do good work where people can see it and i and i think that that's just mm. a, such a simple idea qualifying you know do be active be proactive mm -hmm. don't sleep you know be disciplined work you know make mm. things that are completed Mm -hmm. good um you know that they exist at a bar of quality that you can you know vet as having been done to your standard mm -hmm. um and then in a condition where you're opening yourself up to the opportunity of somebody responding and uh you know favorably and then you know being being poised to receive more of that, you know, um, so yeah. it's, it's a pretty simple idea, but like, if that's luck, I mean, the, the, there's because where people can see it, that's 99% luck, right? If I'm yeah. in a different, if I'm in, in, in a different economic situation, then I'm not going to necessarily be where people can see it, you know, that simplified idea. Um, but mm -hmm. whatever your situation happens to be, try to do it where where um it'll be received by the universe and where you'll you'll get that mm -hmm. validation and that loop mm -hmm. of feedback that encourages you to do more and i think that that's just kind of what i did at the beginning was mm -hmm. you know willing to take risks and do you know throw stuff away and 
mm-hmm. do stuff just for fun and and for love instead of for money mm-hmm. um do it do it in a way that you're proud of what you've put out and people will you know often validate it by asking you to do more so that's yeah that's the that's the that's the series of dots that i connected i think it what you describe reminds me of a a blogger friend of mine uh, i don't know if you've heard of steve pavlina very very mm-hmm. prolific blogger yeah he's he's an interesting guy and he he's he he's kind of sums this up as you create the value but you also have to deliver the value and sort of what you're saying about being in the right place you know, the visibility the, the being in the right place the right time it feels like the deliver side of that you know you can make this great stuff but if nobody ever sees it probably not gonna definitely not gonna be a business and might be a bit of a bummer but it depends on one's goals of course yeah well if i were starting my company now i don't think i would ever get it my stuff would never get seen by anybody um i just my condition being in the right place at the right time the right time was during a time when it wasn't as common for work like i'm putting out to be to be seen um so Mm -hmm. it was a bit it it was uh there was a there was a you know it was a bit more valuable at the time because it was more scarce i guess and uh so that that that's kind of just what i attribute my the the origin of my you know my beginnings to Hmm. Mm -hmm. and you went to but you went to film school was that something that you always wanted to do something along those lines Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was when I was a kid, I was uh, became aware of you know some somebody a job called director, and mm-hmm. I thought that's very exciting because <laughs> it's very exciting because prior to that you just kind of imagine that movies make themselves, unless <laughs> unless you know the production process is part of a vocabulary, which is certainly is to my kids because they've been on set with me and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I, and that, you know, so I, I learned that there was some sort of a person that was responsible for making stories on screen that I appreciated mm-hmm. and I wanted to find out more. So then when I found out more, I decided that's what I wanted to try to do. And so I, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very common story. I played with the video camera Yep. and, you know, became, got validated it's same thing. Like I, I put out work where people could see it. The people who could see it were my friends and family and my school. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. How young were you? Oh, uh, I was eleven when I started making little videos and stuff. Nice. And that's when I, you know, so <clears throat> that that validation from having done something goofy and stupid and then having it crack people up, um, <laughs> or you know, allow you to do an assignment instead of writing the paper, that kind of thing. That's that's like market value, right? That's an early example of market value for a kid in, you know, in the fifth grade. Um, mm. That that means you're, you are, you know, you are being paid, quote unquote, in the opportunity to not write a paper. <laughs> what were some of those early, I'm curious what some of those early, uh, I guess, short films were like? <laughs> sure. I mean, like they were very similar to my explainer style. It turns out I, there was one, for instance, and in, when I was in seventh grade, that was about colonial Delaware, and mm. I the the assignment was to basically do profiles or portraits of a of a series of characters from the time of history, 
And huh. so my partner in, in the class and I, I roped her into, you know, dressing up in different costumes with the, the trope of a time machine. Uh, but actually it was what it, <laughs> what it ended up being was more of a twilight zone kind of thing where I played the character of a Rod Serling and I even did the voice and it was in black and white. And, you know, early on you learn, Adam, I want to see this. <laughs> I mean, it exists somewhere. It's terrible. <laughs> Sorry. So um, early on, but you, you learn. Yeah. And so you, you learn the language by imitating others. And so that's what mm -hmm. I did. I would, I, my favorite movie was when I was a kid was Kentucky fried movie. Um, hmm. It was a feature film from 1977. I think that was a sketch comedy movie. Hmm. Um, and hmm. um, pretty funny, you know, it was pretty raunchy and hmm. silly and real stupid slapsticky, but I, I would take my favorite jokes from that movie and recreate them on video. So basically <laughs> just reproducing just like anybody M night Shyamalan famously did, you know, remade Indiana Jones with his, mm. I think with his brother in their backyard. That's right. Shot for shot. And I think that's how any craftsperson starts to learn their trade is just by imitating what they appreciate. Sort of reminds me of Hemingway. Didn't Hemingway, mm. who was it? Who, who was it Hemingway or someone else who typed just retyped out someone else's novel on a, on a, you know, on a typewriter. That sounds right. Yeah, he typed it out on a typer just to get the feel for what it was like to write a good novel. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That seems like a, a that uh, that's uh, that's an obsessive uh, <laughs> yeah. a pr obsessive exercise, but I can see it paying off. But how is it so different than Shyamalan? I mean, that's that's <laughs> why. I mean, it, I guess oh, totally. it, you know it helps. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I started, and and I always had an early knack for exposition, I guess, just for the informational mm -hmm. parts of filmmaking, because I didn't really have a knack for the the narrative craft, I think, um, mm. and character development and plot and all those things. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my knack. My knack was for making sure that an audience kind of understood the information that was being conveyed. Mm -hmm. Play, play your strengths and you have a great on-screen per, you know persona as well i don't want to call it a persona you just you're good in front of the camera and mm -hmm. it's you a know, it's a persona for sure because it's charming not, i mean i have to it's affected somewhat because i have to mm -hmm. if i were just talking like myself it would be very sleepy <laughs> yeah i get that i get that but do you feel like um you know, because so people don't know, like you're that this all kind of started with this ad you made for this app. I don't know if the app is even still around called Birdhouse. Uh, and it was you could like write a tweet and Birdhouse would I think you could schedule them and you could like save them. Uh, no, not schedule. You 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 could draft them because there was no um, okay. there were no drafts in Twitter. Um, there mm -hmm. was not really even a native Twitter app. Um, there were a few developers who, like early iOS developers who were ahead of the game and started developing um, Twitter clients, but mm -hmm. none of them really had drafting. And what was wrong with that was that there was no copy and paste in the iPhone yet. Hadn't really been Whoa. introduced as a feature. That was before copy and paste? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, man. So... 
Um, I remember that, but it was, oh man, so long ago. Yeah, so so there was a time after the iPhone 1 was introduced where copy and paste was not enabled as a feature. Mm-hmm. And design-minded, tech-minded, you know, fanatics would sort of speculate about how, like, A, whether copy and paste would ever be enabled. Mm-hmm. It, you know, because there was a lot that was to be determined, you know, will there be apps on this thing? Yeah, we didn't even know if there'd be an app store. Like, Steve was like, I was just going to do web apps for a while. Right, right. And, and like, um, so there was no there was no copy and paste. So there was on um, Jason Kotke's blog that he posed the question to readers, how would you enable, how would you design copy and paste functionality? Hmm. And so I came up with an idea and I put it in the comments. Hmm. And then I decided... Well, I'm a visual effects artist and I know how to do motion design. So rather than just writing this out in text, I should visualize it. I should just use my the tools of my trade and yeah. make a demo, a false, you know, like a fake demo of this feature. And yeah. I will do it in the language of Apple's own demos with uh, this guy, a senior manager of engineer or senior. <laughs> he might have been a, a VP of engineering. His name was Bob Borchers. And he was a real mm-hmm. nerdy, mousy guy. And it, it was a black background, and he would be like, "Hi, I'm going to show you how to send an email on your iPhone first. And there was the music, uh, the signature music, ding, 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 ding. And so I, uh, I basically that captured... That might be the intro music to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I grabbed one of those videos, one of those guided tour videos, and I downloaded it. And then I, um, I spent about two weeks doing this, but I captured my own mouth doing like my do, doing the dialogue of my uh, iPhone copy and paste demo. I com I composited it over his mouth, and then I did my own like you know phone in hand demo in the exact style of the of the guided tours to show how. Uh, to mock up basically how copy and paste would use by my design. Huh. And it was silly. And there was a hidden message at the end. Um, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, I put it on Vimeo mm-hmm. and it went, you know, quote unquote viral, which back mm-hmm. then was 50, 50,000 views in a day. And it went on dig, mm-hmm. which was a big deal at the time. Oh, good old dig. And uh, it was, it was this early proof of concept for me that I liked making videos about tech stuff working. And, um, wow. So that was the, you know, that was like the first time where you're like, Oh, Hey, tech videos. That was a yeah, fun process. Yeah. And it got the attention of all the people I admired in the tech world and right. in the Mac world. Um, mm-hmm. and it got covered by all of the fun Apple blogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that was the early, that that early proof positive that early validation that kept me going echoes and then um you know because twitter because the iphone did not yet have copy and paste my friend cameron hunt and i co-developed this app when the when the sdk came out and developers Mm -hmm. had access to it uh we co-developed this app um to that was specifically just for drafting tweets and being able to publish to Twitter directly from the app. Oh, so you um, were calling the API from Birdhouse? Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. And back then, we had access to people at Twitter. 
we had friends who were you know mm-hmm. high up on the development team and the engineering team at twitter and it was really fun it was a, it was just this unique the salad days of ios mm-hmm. development because you kind of we knew the important people who were doing the coolest stuff mm-hmm. and lauren brichter was this develop developer who made an app called tweety and hmm. it was the best twitter client out there yeah that sounds familiar and uh he basically like he took birdhouse draft birdhouse style drafting um through from our code base and he incorporated it into his app and then when when he sold tweety to twitter and they basically turned it into the native twitter app it oh. it uh, birdhouse uh, functionality um it persisted in the app for many years actually whoa whoa mm-hmm. so so it's so funny how twitter is sort of is a big player in your story it occurs to me because isn't that also how you if i'm recalling correctly and please correct me if i'm wrong isn't that how you met scott simpson and merlin mann as well oh definitely yes yeah twitter twitter as a social network was the most it it was the most valuable thing Mm -hmm. in my life it was right place right time Mm -hmm. sort of you know just fantastic belle epoque salon where all of these people that I would form lasting <laughs> friendships and collaborations with existed at the same time. And so it became Twitter became the most important forum in my life to the least important. Yeah. It's yeah. it just you know, what a tragic story, I think, mm. is is Twitter. Just mm-hmm. having gone having gone from something so meaningful, so beautiful mm-hmm. and um and productive to something so completely toxic and Mm -hmm. such a, you know, almost universal safety hazard for society. (laughs) Yeah. I get what I get it. Yeah. You pretty much have to use lists now to have a pretty decent, where do you think that they, I mean, I think they're kind of, yeah, it's, that's a complicated story. What do you think, what would you have done differently? If you were running Twitter, I guess that's kind of a hard question. Mm, shut it down. <laughs> Just over. Blow, yeah, blow torch no. those servers. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think I I just don't I don't think opening. I don't know, but I think that some of the best answers have to do around uh, with with verification of identity and and yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. And I know that that's problematic as well because there's an is- issues of privacy and censorship. But, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But I think what I think what it sh- sort of showed us as a society is that our technology evolved faster than we were ready for it to, yeah. and we ended up creating all of these just dire safety, you know, safety hazards. Yeah. Without any, without any safety standards, and, or a lack of accountability. Right, and just completely ill-equipped to deal with any of it, and now it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason I've actually I have a, a decent relationship with Twitter again. It's probably because I don't use it that often. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be the key. <laughs> Just little dribs and drabs and filter, try to filter what you can. But um 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the, I remember those, I wish everybody could have experienced that. You know, there was a time, I don't know if this happened, this was your, in, you know, true for you, Adam, but I would read every tweet of every person I followed at the end of the day. Oh, definitely. Sometimes. I did. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I did. I, I was obsessive about it. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you meet? And I'm curious since we've kind of accidentally stumbled upon a fun segue. Uh, how did you meet? Who did you meet first? Like Scott or, or Merlin or, cause I, I, I'm such a nerd for you look nice today. It's going to be in the show notes. Everybody should go to, go to the show notes at andrewcrusoe.com slash podcasts in the com. And cause you're, I such a soft spot in my heart for that show. There's so much unexpected, just joy and ridiculousness. I mean, you guys had a whole episode about a restaurant called Baby on a Dog, and it was so, mm -hmm. so odd and so wonderful, uh, mm -hmm. you know. That was our live episode. I think that was our first live episode that we did That's in right. San Francisco. What, yeah, what was that like from meeting, meeting these guys on Twitter? You clicked. I heard a rumor that the, the, the first episode was going to be about, just about Twitter. You Look Nice Day was originally kind of about Twitter, and then you pivoted, apparently. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Such going... a terrible idea. <laughs> and then you end up, like, how many years was that from, we're making a show, it's getting some traction. What was that journey like to doing a live show, which that must have been pretty cool. I don't know. I think the live show happened pretty early on, um, mm. definitely in the first year, because I think... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know. We just... The three of us liked each other, and we became friends very quickly, so we liked... Mm. And I, it, it was before I had kids, so I was always kind of able to just hop on a plane and go up there and hang out with those guys and shoot a, a stupid little video or whatever. Yeah. So it just became... Yeah. I forget. It was... Uh, those two were always more enterprising than I was in terms of getting <laughs> events. Um started and stuff i don't remember who i met first Mer merlin or scott but i think we were we all just kind of like circled around the same tribe at the same time mm -hmm. and early on you know twitter um merlin was king um mm -hmm. of these early twitter comedy tech nerds and um scott was a known figure on sort of on the periphery because he worked at apple for the podcasting mm -hmm. team. the paper company yeah uh-huh and um <laughs> he was just so cool and so funny and so smart and merlin mm -hmm. was just a, such a funny ridiculous big personality mm -hmm. and it was and i was a young you know i was, I was in my late 20s early 30s i guess mm -hmm. and um i i worshiped those guys and then um mm -hmm. you know to be kind of anointed by a, a merlin on twitter who who would say like these are my three funniest friend you know the three right. people that i think everybody should follow and now in that early community of the, like that was a good day of that ever happened and yeah. then um your follower count would go up by a hundred people and and it just it was this addictive cycle mm -hmm. not not necessarily healthy but it definitely felt like growth at the time um and then Robert Anderson, a mutual friend of all of ours in the same community who also worked at Apple and then worked, you know, as the first lead designer at Square. Um, hmm. He was the one who, um, he was the one who said on Twitter publicly, I think that Merlin and Scott and Adam should do a podcast together. And then oh. we just, the three of us, the three of us were just like, 
that's not the worst idea in the world. We should try something out. It was his and idea. And I think it was, yeah, and, and yeah, it was. And then Merlin, I think, was the one because he's he's he always wants to shape a thing. So hmm. he was the one who said <laughs> we should do a show about Twitter and Twitter culture. And every week we'll do we'll we'll you know talk about our favorite tweets of the week and whatever it, whatever it was. And we tried to record one of those, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely horrid. But. <laughs> The fun part was just goofing and mm-hmm. ad-libbing and quote-unquote improvising absurdities to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, Scott Simpson is a professional comedian now, but before that he was just a funny guy who worked in tech. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just there was, a, there was a natural cadence to it. Mm. And I was always just deathly nervous when we recorded, just to the almost to the point of vomiting. And and it really? never really went away. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, wow. it never really went away. Because like, t- 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 you know, for me on the outside looking in, although I have been really lucky, you're you're the, you're the only one of the three I haven't met in person yet. Because I, I got oh. to do three ring binder. The Scott and um, Merlin mm-hmm. did three ring binder in San Francisco. So you're down in L.A. They're up in San Francisco, and you're you're going. You're you don't have a kid. You're flying. You're doing stuff. You know, periodically. Um, but from the outside looking in, I, you were the most mysterious, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. People often mistake silence for mystery and often True. it's just cause they don't have anything good to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to ask before I forget, cause this is so random. You guys did a, I don't know if it was a commission or just like a, I don't know what, I don't remember the agreement you did with San Francisco, a museum of modern art. No, it was New York, MoMA. Oh, was it New York? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was one of those beautiful museums. And you guys made this video that I should put in the show notes. I watched it again today, and it still makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Noises Rest. Mm-hmm. And I feel Which like... Which is such a Merlin title for a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I, and I, but I feel like all three of you are in it. You all have uh, hilarious pseudonyms. And I feel like it's a, like a microcosm of of you look nice today in some ways it has a similar like vibe but i'm wondering and maybe this is just a silly question but did you come up with the nickname tborg is there any story around that i'm just curious i did yeah (laughs) yeah i just wanted to play an ambiguously eastern european (laughs) ethnic character and you know with an accent and um tborg (laughs) yeah i don't remember how i got that name specifically but i think it was just like it was a name with an extra consonant on the end of it Mm -hmm. uh and and it made me it made us laugh so i (laughs) that one it was everybody check that out how did that come about um a guy who worked at moma was a fan of the show and he they they were doing basically like an exhibition that was a celebration of silent film and so he got in touch with us and said, "Hey, we 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 can we commission you look nice to do you know, you look you look nice today to do a piece for this exhibition. There'll be a big, you know, screening in a in a big theater at the museum wow. and and it was super fun and one of the more meaningful parts of it was that um Fred and Carrie, Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein also when they were this was prior to Portlandia, but they were mm-hmm. a sketch duo called Thunder Ant. 
and they also did a little piece for this exhibit and i thought Ooh. and that was the first time that i felt like oh we're legit we're like among among yeah. real funny comedy people i mean they're both carrie and fred are both just yeah just brilliant right and um so we made our little piece and I remember we didn't know what the hell it was going to be. Those <laughs> those two guys came down to LA and we just holed up in my apartment for probably for three days without coming up with any ideas. And then on the, on the last day, we just kind of did a Hail Mary and shot a whole mm -hmm. bunch of stuff. And it was like, it was like, I don't know, there's nothing worse than that feeling of limited time and you can't come up with anything good. Mm -hmm. and and it's and it's you feel like you should throw in the towel because mm -hmm. nothing feels better than throwing in the towel mm -hmm. and just saying like well we tried and we're not good enough so therefore we move on and we can all sleep mm -hmm. um but then at the last minute i i don't remember who came up with the idea of foley artists for silent films <laughs> but um <laughs> it was this is pretty the sound great. of celery breaking in a silent film <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> It's very special. It was so good. And so the the room where the three of us did our mock interviews was that was my little second bedroom in my apartment in Silver Lake where I started sandwich basically. My that was my oh. little editing bay. Um so you know, a little bit like low production value that the three interviews take place in the same chair at the same computer, yep. but <laughs> Whatever. I hadn't really gotten my production shoes on yet. No, but it's perfect. It's so 2008, 2009. It's it's mm -hmm. still funny. That's the thing. It's it succeeds because it's still funny. Yeah, and then um and then I and there was a deadline coming up to submit it for this exhibition, and I hadn't edited yet edited it yet. Mm. And then my my family, my parents, and my sister's family, and me and my partner were we were all getting together to rent a beach house for the weekend hmm. and I was on deadline and I really didn't want to screw this up. So I brought my whole big power Mac with me um, <gasps> to the beach house. And I ended up just working all through the weekend without really seeing my family and just coming down for meals wow. um, and, and editing it uh, throughout the weekend. And then they had the crappiest Wi-Fi at this beach house. And so yeah. like, you know, uploading it, to uh to uploading the file for for the moma to, to mm -hmm. be able to download it took it was harrowing it was so stressful probably like six hours or more it was a long time oh boy but look at, look at what it, how it turned out um yeah i think I we mean, all it benefited changed history forever yeah exactly <laughs> it was really it was kind of like star wars but for a comedy right. um <laughs> no, but it's it's it was great. Did now did that? I'm just curious, you know. So you look nice today was pretty. That was like a year into you look nice today. I think when you guys made that. Something? Sounds right. Mm -hmm. Did that? Did that open any? Like, what were the knock on effects of that? Out of curiosity. Oh, making the did, video. Yeah. Did did it change anything, or was it just sort of like it just no. kind of grew the subscriber base and it was just kind of a fun? No, experience? not at all. In fact, it was probably just it defined a failure to capture the momentum that we had as a cultural mm. entity mm. because honestly we should have turned that into we should have turned it into something we should have turned it if we had had mm. a good head on our shoulders if we had had maybe like a real like producer or something or a manager mm. or something then it would mm. have been turned into a tv series or 
Could have been. Whatever, even a web series or something. But I think because I was getting a company off the ground and, mm-hmm. you know, those guys had jobs, um, mm-hmm. they just didn't, it never became top priority. Mm-hmm. And you were all pretty okay. busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would it have in an alternate universe turned into millions and millions of dollars for us? That would have been fun, but mm. that's okay. I think we, we, we sort of made this little artifact in time and then we moved on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you never really know what you've learned from something until you look back on it. You know, when you've had mm. the, the, uh, um, gift of time to reflect and I don't know. I, I love that short film. <laughs> so I'm 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 glad that it exists, and I know I'm not alone in that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you look nice today. Took kind of a break, and I, there was the last episode was called I think it was called Scat Academy Part One. I don't think we ever got Part Two, which is kind of confusing <laughs> to me. I don't know if that was a Merlin joke or whose joke that was or a Scott joke. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but then you guys came back. And a few years later, and you you had another round of like really good stuff. You had a one called Razzle Dazzle, which made anyway. We're probably getting into the weeds a little bit, but like it, I was so glad when it came. I mean, imagine like a twenty sided die, you guys, and it's a character and it can talk and it, it makes appearances in movies. It's just like random funny things like that. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of nerding out now, but mm-hmm. and then you did then you brought it into video, which was interesting. You did that for a while. And was the idea of doing You Look Nice Today Part 2, you called it California King, was that to try it with less editing? I I don't know what the idea was. I I certainly knew I wasn't going to edit it myself because I didn't, at that point I'd been, you know, well, this was 2020 when the pandemic had started. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not about to go and start editing a podcast. Because you Uh, edited the first version, right, of the the I did, yeah, yeah. And, and it would take me many, many hours to do mm-hmm. like a half hour of show, um, mm-hmm. which was great. I mean, like that's the thing. Going back to the original premise, like mm-hmm. you work your ass off to make something mm-hmm. for the love of it, because what else have you, what else do you have going on? You just you that's mm-hmm. what you do, mm-hmm. and you make those sacrifices. Mm-hmm. What's and, more meaningful um, than that, right? Right. And then hopefully something good comes comes of it, which in my case it did. I love I, I you really did. I mean, people have kind of you know uh, poked fun and said you you edited some of those things within an inch of their life, but mm-hmm. there it's wonderful. <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. it, sometimes it doesn't sound like it's edited either. But then so so for that next version, doing it on video was that kind of that probably took some getting used to. Oh, definitely. And I mean, it was a different time and place. And so it didn't mm-hmm. have the resonance. It was almost most, it was more therapeutic for us to just be, I don't know, together mm-hmm. in the same room again and having mm-hmm. been essentially 10 years older mm-hmm. and um, just re, re, reuniting, reintroducing ourselves to each other, mm-hmm. seeing what had changed and what hadn't, what, what changed about our culture which mm. is a lot and what yeah. changed about the the language and the types of jokes we were making which some of it changed a lot and some didn't and 
there were a few times when we were doing that where it really felt just amazing it like sang you know it just mm-hmm. it just felt so good and we would get off the call and i would just feel ah that felt like a warm bath you know mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes it just didn't at all sometimes it felt strained and old and mm-hmm. you know kind of like Ugh, why are we doing this our audience was probably 10 percent of our you know as it was uh, mm-hmm. as big as it was the first time mm-hmm. going around so like that felt weird too it, mm-hmm. it felt it felt like um the band getting back together and the band used to do sold out stadiums and mm-hmm. and um you know this now the, the band can't really fill a room in the you know in, a, in an underground bar but that's that's neither here nor there. It was mostly just for us. And it felt good to have something to do during the pandemic. Well, yeah. And like in your defense, um, and we can get back to another thing, but in your defense, uh, it's hard to hold an audience to, for an audience to follow you into a different medium. You know, like you look nice today was just audio. It was just these lovingly, I call them lovingly crafted MP3s. And not everybody wants to, transition to oh we're watching on youtube now and this is different and you know they can't like listen to it i guess they could listen to it while they're driving but they're going to feel like they're missing something if there's a video component and mm-hmm. i wonder if that yeah was it's funny of, I, yeah. I i think the proposal was that we do something very different from you look nice today mm-hmm. and see if it works and see if there's like magic there between the three mm-hmm. of us that people will mm-hmm. follow along and i think that was probably misguided i think if we were to do it again we would just continue in the you look nice today feed and Mm -hmm. um this was this was actually before paul who's one of my editors at sandwich started cutting the new podcast that i did um Mm -hmm. and so he didn't like he's got incredible technical chops Mm -hmm. as an editor i didn't really know that oh it was actually before paul even started working for me full time Mm -hmm. so i didn't really know that i had that available to me as a resource and so mm-hmm. i was just thinking like okay fellas fine we're gonna make a podcast but who the hell is gonna put it together mm-hmm. certainly not me so let's just do a zoom call and dump it on to <laughs> dump it onto youtube just dump it on youtube just put it over there yeah and see what happens and then we would get like you know one or two thousand views mm-hmm. per episode and that, that was fine that was fine I still think it's good to experiment, Adam. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. You know? Oh, definitely. Especially if there's a pandemic going and you don't really, mm-hmm. you're not really filling your time. And you just need something, anything. You just need to feel something. Mm, feel something. So did Paul edit all-consuming? Yes, uh, Paul did edit all-consuming. That's correct. I kind of hired him full-time with the with the understanding that he would be doing that with basically one of his days of the week. Ah, I haven't listened to a bunch of all consuming yet. I, I started with the last episode. <laughs> oh, that's fare- okay. It's the farewell oh, the episode. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really sweet. That's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. no, we, st- we stopped it cause it was time. Um, mm-hmm, and now mm-hmm. Paul is editing Noah Kalina's other new podcast about NFTs. Um, NFTs keep coming up in my interviews, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not going to come up right now. So okay. I just, I, I dropped, I, I mentioned it because that's the content of that. No, new, I'm, I uh, think podcast. it's fascinating, but yeah, it's, you know, it's your show. 
<laughs> uh, um, well, I, the last thing I want to do is talk about NFTs. Trust me. Okay. Okay. <sighs> what a time. Certainly. What a time. Do. Hmm. Sandwich. How did you get the nickname Sandwich? Um. Well, because I started on the internet as Lonely Sandwich, and then it, Scott Simpson basically shortened it. He called me. We had drinks one time in L.A. when he was visiting, and he he used Sandwich as a name for me. And I th- I thought it was so charming. He was like, mm. I forget what he said, but something very Scott-like. And it was <laughs> like, yeah, why don't you get me another drink, Sandwich? And I thought it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> it was so funny. And then Merlin started calling me Sandy. Right, that's right. Yeah, when Scott Simpson gives you a nickname. Oh yeah, you you use it. I I had never had a real good nickname before as a kid mm-hmm. or anything. So um I embraced it. And mm-hmm. then when I started doing that app with which I mentioned Birdhouse, the software company, the nominal software company was Sandwich Dynamics, which I thought was a sort of a funny joke on a tech company name. And then <laughs> um when I started the video company, mm-hmm. I, I asked, actually, I've got a friend named Nevin Mergen, who's a designer at Panic. And I asked Ooh. him, hey, do you, I'm starting a video company. Do mm-hmm. you think, which do you like better, video sandwich or sandwich video? And he, without hesitation, said sandwich video. Yep. And I just thought that was kind of funny because it was almost like a video store, like a video <laughs> rental store. <laughs> Come on down. I like I like company names that are a bit confusing. There's a misdirect mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're also kind of begging the question, though. How did you come to choose Lonely Sandwich as your Twitter handle, or is that is that a private story? <laughs> no, it's not a private story, and it's it's documented in photographic evidence. Um, when when Apple when Steve did the keynote to launch the first iPhone. I was mm-hmm. so excited about what I thought was coming that I drove up um, to San Francisco and basically like posted up outside the Moscone Center, hoping that, you know, naively hoping that I could, somebody would let me in so I could be in the room, which didn't oh happen. Oh God, I love that. But um, that morning or, you know, basically around lunchtime after that keynote, I was just kind of wandering around the Moscone Center area Mm-hmm. And there was a sort of a convention center lobby uh, building and, with a gla- big glass wall. And on the other side of the big glass wall, I saw this dude who was clearly, you know, attending a tech conference because he was dressed <laughs> like that. And he mm-hmm. was just sitting there on one of the benches in the lobby eating a sandwich by himself. <sighs> and um, it was just the sweetest, most evocative image to me. And I kind of used my primitive smartphone to snap a picture uh and i decided that lonely sandwich was going to be my little moniker for the for the internet you can say no but i would love to put that picture in the show notes (laughs) i don't know if you (laughs) have yeah i think i could probably find it oh my god that any do, do we know this person's name did you ever see him again no, definitely not, and I don't oh even God. think I saw his face. And and he, but he's he's kind of like by a, by a remove, he's part of internet history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you think about it. Do wow. you do you have access to your email right now? 
Yeah. Okay. <gasps> Adam, you make, you make me feel so special right now. This this is <laughs> where. Oh my god. <gasps> I wonder if it's legal to put this in the show notes. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, I in public. Okay. I try to be careful about uh, areas of consent and privacy. You got to be very sensitive these days. I don't um, know if you wanted to blur the blur the face or whatever. Maybe I'll blur his ear. You can't really see who it is. So this is where the name Lonely Sandwich, and this is like right before you signed up for Twitter, I or around so. the time. Yeah, January two thousand seven. Yeah, that was right before I signed up for Twitter. This is going to make the super fans really happy, and probably feel a little awkward. <laughs> I think there, are, there there are no super fans. Oh come on! Of course there are. Well, I, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Though. Um, um, <laughs> um, so just wrapping up because you're a busy guy and you've got you you have family. I'm just guy. I almost want to wrap up by asking like, how do you? There's so many things I could ask. And thanks again, Sandwich, for coming on the show. I'm really honored that you took some time out of your day. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, I, I mean it's such a it's such a cool experience to. Uh, be able to talk to somebody who I've, I've heard, you know, so many, you know, probably a hundred hours of you speaking in various forms. And, uh-huh. you know, I've, you know, my, bro- my brother and I would listen to you look nice today together and mm-hmm. just would laugh our, our asses off, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess wrapping up, you've had this amazing journey from, you made the birdhouse ad and you just kept, it just sounded like it really snowballed from there and now you're, this is your, you have, you have like almost 20 employees now, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a, and what a, a kind of a learning curve, I imagine as well. Um, was there anything that um, you found especially helpful to growing into that role? Cause you're not just a director. You're, you're, you're the owner of this company. You're managing all these people. Was there anything like, did you go to like workshops or like what, did you have like a mentor? I'm curious about in as much as you want to share what helped you. I don't think so, but now I'm panicking thinking, Oh shit. Did I actually have a mentor? <laughs> um, no, not really. I mean, I would, I would pick my dad's brain for advice every so often, but there were mm-hmm. de- like, there were definitely, he was definitely in a different business. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really translate. Um, What'd your dad do? Oh, he was a children's dentist. He's retired now, but he still oh. travels around the world doing volunteer clinics to fix, t- you know, kids' teeth Whoa. in third world countries. Um, he's very, very philanthropic and that's very cool. So you just kind um, of yeah, was there like was there ever like a were there like books that really helped you? Because like thinking mm-hmm. about the last ten years for you, like the the growth journey. You know, and again, I'm on the outside looking in, but what a, you know, what a organic process of that company. Just like, you know, what you've made. Yeah, is, no, and no books taste, or classes helps. or anything. Oh. Good taste is how you You have good taste. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think uh, really just learn by doing and mm-hmm. work with people that you know you can trust and that you mm-hmm. think are good. Um, try to treat people right and with respect mm-hmm. and check yourself mm-hmm. constantly, mm-hmm. um, Humility. to make sure that you're doing that and not the opposite, which definitely has happened. Be as humble as possible, but confident and, you know, be willing to make mistakes and 
acknowledge them, learn from them, and I've made so many mistakes. Mm. And <laughs> I really just never take for granted. Like I, I never for a single day or hour take for granted the people that I've, that I've got around me making it possible for this thing to work. Never. It's not me. It's It's them. So as long as I never forget that, I think I'll be okay. I'll be on the right path. Do you ever want to direct a feature film? What's your stretch goal? <laughs> Certainly, yeah, yeah. Definitely mm -hmm. want to direct something at some point, but I just need to work my way up uh, towards it with confidence and skill building and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, mm -hmm. uh, I'll let you go, and we'll slide into an after show. But once again, Adam, thank you so much for coming on Ascendant. It's really been uh, delightful. And um, yeah, people can go to andrewcrusoe.com slash podcasts to get the links to subscribe and find the show notes and all the things. And um, yeah, thanks again, Adam. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. And that's our show. I want to say thanks again to Adam for coming on the show. It was such an honor and a joy to interview him. And in the after show, Adam shares a harrowing story of running top speed on a slippery roof when he was a kid. It's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> you receive that in all the other after shows when you support this show on Patreon. You can get the link to that at andrewcrusoe.com slash podcasts, or you can go right to patreon.com slash hellocrusoe. That's the word hello, C-R-U-S-O-E. I just want to say thanks again to everyone who has supported this show in any way, whether it be my beautiful Patreon supporters, anyone who's left a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly. I'm Andrew Crusoe, and I'll see you next time.